Why, hello there! My name is Kenji Dick. And I'm Claudia Duick. And this is Wittenberg Radio. It is episode 113, and it is January 30th, 2018. How are you doing, Claudia? I'm great. How are you, Kenji? I'm uh, doing A-OK. School has been going all right, and I think so far, we're already one-third into the semester, believe it or not. What? I know. That's crazy. Yeah, time's flying considerably, but so far, not as stressful. It probably will get stressful very soon, but right now, I'm enjoying the times. Hey, that's the way to go. All right, and with that, let's talk about upcoming events. So first of all, upcoming events is another face-to-face lecture called The Bible Tells Me So doesn't it? It's a conversation with young adults on the tension of taking scripture seriously, and it is happening on February 5th at 7 p.m. in Marpeck Commons. There's also a panel discussion happening at Menno Simons College about the refugee resettlement in Canada on February 6th. It is taking place at the University of Winnipeg in the Eckerd Gramate Hall. Um, it should be very exciting. There's a lot to learn there, and Menno Simons is part of, I guess, CMU's mission or, you know, sister university type thing so yeah also on february 5th to 9th we're going to have a pastor in residence uh here on campus her name is lee kosa and she is from bc Uh, and she'll be having a leadership lunch hopefully on tuesday february the 6th Uh, we don't have any more details other than that but we hope to announce them very soon to you yes and regarding our topic for today about parking there's some further news about a uh panel discussion or an open conversation about parking changes to CMU. This will happen on February 1st from 12.15 to 12.45 in the conference room Um, and you'll be able to hear from Danielle Morton and Charlie Peranto as well as the hostings coordinator Andrew Giesbrecht who's on the show today about um, parking changes. So if you have any questions or concerns about this that would be a place to go. Today on the show, we have the pleasure of talking with Andrew Giesbrecht. He is the manager of hostings here on campus, so he is in charge of all sorts of facilities and renting rooms and parking also uh, on campus. So thank you for being here today. No problem at all. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, we did an episode a while back just to catch you up that was about parking and some of the new regulations that happened on campus over the Christmas break uh, and some changes that were made. And we talked to a lot of commuters and some resident students about their complaints. And so we figured why not talk to hostings themselves and maybe see what's behind all of these changes and see if there isn't, you know, a valid reason that this might happen. Because, yeah, it's important to get all sides of the story. So. We're going to dive right in and just ask some of the questions that commuters have voiced to us um, and then see where we go from there. Uh, so first of all, Andrew, why uh, were these regulations around parking change- changed? Um, so I think the main concern that we've heard is kind of the availability of parking on South for mm-hmm. commuter students. Uh, there were a couple times where Charlie Pronto, who is the dean residence, let's say that, um, he had complaints from resident students where there were no parking spots at all available in the lot P, which is the KFA lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we looked at that in December. Um, the best plan we had was restricted just to residents. Um, there were generally about 10 free spots that commuters were using. So if a resident student would leave, let's say, to go get groceries in the middle of the day, they'd come mm-hmm. back, have to haul their groceries over from north or park in the chapel lot, which has never been a student lot, but has always kind of been used as a secondary student mm-hmm. lot, um, and make that call at that point. Uh, so the best thing that we could think of, uh, just trying to keep the constraint as low as possible, is move all commuter parking to north 
and then restrict that lot to resident passes only. Mm-hmm. Has there been any talk about uh, maybe using those 10 spots for commuters and how, or is that too messy? At the moment, there hasn't been. Um, so th- all the lots on CMU uh, are scramble lots. So as we don't have any assigned spots, it's really hard to figure out uh, which spots exactly are being used mm-hmm. by a resident student. Um, so unless we would implement something further in saying resident pass one is for spot one, right. um, we don't really have a way to measure which are actually the mm-hmm. commuter, which are the resident. And that would make it really tricky right now for right. enforcement and administration. Do you think in the future that might be something like assigned lots? We're, we're hoping to theoretically improve the process as mm-hmm. we go. Um, a lot of this spurred from uh, last April, actually, uh, when U of M and U of W students really recognized how great a location the Marpet Commons was mm-hmm. and kind of took over everything. <laughs> um, so trying to hopefully make CMU, it, it's a community location that we're trying to keep that aspect of it available. Uh, but also hopefully any guests that are invited to campus, any of our actual students, faculty, staff, um, hopefully reducing the strain on them as well. Right now, there's no plan for additional lots, um, but we are hopeful that we can figure something out that, especially for the start of next academic year, it's better communicated for sure. Okay. Um, these changes were made over Christmas, I guess, or, yeah. or when, when did this sort of become something that you were talking about and figuring out how to change? It was uh, early December when we started having those conversations with student life. Uh, they were heavily involved because that's where the resident mm-hmm. students would lodge their complaint that they are parking, they have none available, and what to do. Uh, so I think that would have been right before the exam period started, and then we tried to figure out what the plan would be, and then it was around the end of the exam period, I think, is when we sent the email out mm-hmm. just saying that this would be the plan for next semester. And can you tell us who was all involved in that? decision-making process? Um, it was the majority of student life, so we brought in Danielle uh, Morton, Charlie Pronto, and then Marilyn Peters-Cleaver was involved as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then, so the email, uh, we got some <laughs> we got some responses about the email sounding a little, uh, or, or people were wondering about, or concerned about the lack of communication, uh, saying that the email was a little like, this is just how it is, that there was no back and forth, and that it was kind of like a a one-way, this is just how it is type situation. P- some people thought that that was maybe a little, um, I don't know, not respectless, but kind of like, yeah, you're taking away our rights or the rights that we thought we had until now in an email. It felt a little um, impersonal, or that's what we, <laughs> I guess, have, have heard from people. Uh, what would you say to that? Was there any other way that you were thinking about conveying this or... Uh, So I was not. Um, I'm still learning the collaborative nature of CMU. I've been Mm -hmm. an employee here for about two years. Right. Uh, Before that, it was in a very top-down company. So this is how decisions Mm -hmm. were made. Uh, So I'm working with that. We did involve people in the decision. Um, We did not involve students. Like, that is a a fact. Yeah. Um, But we thought we had the right people involved in making the decision. Um, Clearly, it was not communicated great. Um, (laughs) We... Some of it is also just the recognition that a lot of students, uh, and I mean myself included, as an employee who receives the CMU daily, uh, you kind of glaze over it at best mm-hmm. uh, and don't really read anything. Mm-hmm. So some of it was trying to keep the very important information in the email so that hopefully everyone actually read the important bits, which left out a lot of the nuance in the decision. So right. that I definitely understand that complaint mm-hmm. and concern. Yeah. Did you expect the response that we've seen? 
Um, I'm not sure. I, I attended U of M for a while, an, a long time ago. Um, but the way their parking works is, at best, you're about a 15-minute walk away from class. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really wasn't expecting quite the backlash <laughs> from changing from like a two-and-a-half-minute walk to a five-minute walk. Uh, it was a little unexpected. I can understand when people are used to parking in a specific place that the change becomes difficult. Uh, and so some of it, maybe we should have expected a little more than we did, but mm-hmm. it, w- it was a little surprising. Yeah. No, and I would agree with you there that uh, we we do live in a... <laughs> going to CMU is, is very different than going to any other university. And, and that this parking setup that we have known in the past is very un... Um, what's the word? Not normal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like uh, anywhere else. I have a friend actually who walks half an hour from her parking spot at the U of M to her class and that's just a that's just part of her day um some people have have expressed uh some concern over the price that they paid for their parking pass and that now these what they thought they paid for um the privileges have kind of been cut in half is there any sense of people are asking for a partial refund or a substitute for that there i'm not not entirely sure um we're working at figuring out exactly what the pricing model is as well um some of this has been grandfathered in uh, and no one is actually sure where these decisions started being made Hmm. um so some of these prices are very archaic Hmm. um i know when we started looking at some of the ways that we were going to have to administer parking in the new year um, we looked at other institutions uh, u of m for instance uh, the parking pass that you were just referring to that someone's walking half an hour is five hundred dollars per semester right. uh, u of w doesn't manage any of their own lots and theirs end up being around eight to nine hundred dollars per semester depending on which uh, downtown city lot you mm-hmm. get in while also understanding that we are in the west end of winnipeg we're in shaftesbury uh, charleswood and there is ample parking available if everyone parks uh, so we hadn't really looked at the idea of a discount or a rebate, mm-hmm. um, only to the fact of we are still providing the same services that someone wants. Uh, there are powered spots on North as well, mm-hmm. um, the exact same amenities other than the fact that you're walking from the other side of Grant. Uh, everything is available in those spots as well. Mm-hmm. There was a bit of uh, concern about this, uh, I guess, comparison between CMU and U of W and U of M yeah. with commuters saying, well, this is why I go to CMU because of these things, because of the little, you know, we are a little niche and we don't maybe aspire to the standards. I think we do in terms of education and, and what we offer here. But because it is smaller, people, I think, expect that sense of, of privilege when it comes to these things. Uh, what would you say to that? Is is this part of becoming a, a university that is, yeah, thought of to be up there with U of M and U of W? I hope not. Um, <laughs> I Yeah, I really don't. Um, I think that we're, part of it is there's a different collaborative element um, at CMU than there is at other institutions, which is delightful. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also definitely a learning curve as you're implementing policy um, and instituting changes where you think you're going through all the right hoops and then you hit a snag and Mm -hmm. you realize that uh, because of the nature of CMU that students probably should have been involved in at least the discussion before the decision Mm -hmm. was made. Um, I think the decision was still the correct one and I think in the end we would have probably still made it. CMU has different atmosphere than other institutions Mm -hmm. and with that in mind um, there are things that we're we're learning as we're implementing some of this too. Fair enough. Um, One very important question I have is in terms of accessibility, are there 
uh, accommodations in place for people that need to park close? There would definitely be those made. Um, we do know we're working right now. Um, Sandra Lepke uh, is working with a lot of our people where necessary. They're looking into some of the legal requirements as well to make sure we have the right number of accessible spots. Mm -hmm. um, if, let's say, someone would have some injury that causes them to not be able to walk across campus, mm -hmm. as long as they would come to see either Sandra, uh, someone in student life, or our office, we would make the arrangement for the duration of their uh, need. And mm -hmm. if it is something that is longer term, we would figure out a way to make that work as well. Okay. Um, okay. And then in terms of implementation or enforcement of this um, what are we looking at here like towing tickets uh, right now we haven't towed anyone and we hope to keep it that way um, I know that there have been tickets handed out since the semester started um, the students who have had a legitimate reason for why they were in a place we do try to work with them and not enforce uh, a punitive measure mm -hmm. the ticket is mainly because we have noticed that in years past when someone has gone around and fall and given that lovely CMU warning, they are largely ignored. Right. Um, so part of it is giving an actual ticket that actually holds weight. The hope is that it forces a student to come in and then we can figure out why a certain behavior is happening. If there's a reason for them to be in that spot, we can work with that. Mm -hmm. um, and then if not, we'll figure out kind of what the ticket ends up being. But so would you say if there's uh, a fine on a ticket that shows up on your car, it's not necessarily... Uh, like it's more of a warning than it is an actual punishment or there are some students who've received multiple fines mm -hmm. and at that point uh, the leniency definitely drops fair enough um, to us that part of it is it's showing a disrespect for mm -hmm. what an institution is attempting to do and in a manner that doesn't actually solve the problem mm -hmm. uh, so with that we are willing to still work with people if they have multiple fines and trying to figure out what that is as kind of a case-by-case -case basis mm -hmm. And then I just have one last question. Uh, when you do uh, ticket someone or find someone and they and they pay, where does that money go? Uh, hopefully it goes right now. It's paying partially for the software that we're using. And also partially we're hoping that it ends up being not necessarily a revenue generating thing. That's not the purpose of the fines. Uh, but the hope is that hmm. it does help with maintaining the lots down the road. Um, we do know that there are significant costs associated with uh, clearing the lots. Uh, that our parking pass currently probably does not quite cover. Mm -hmm. And so hopefully this can subsidize that a little bit so we don't have to pass further cost on to the people using the parking pass. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, that answers a lot of questions I think we've heard. Thank you for your, for your input. There no is, problem. Yeah, there is a forum coming up as well. So if anyone has any more questions or more detailed questions, I think that there is going to be some collaborative uh, uh, forum on it uh, where you can voice these concerns or ask more questions but hopefully this has provided some sort of entryway into a discussion or lens on on where the institution is coming from when they're doing these things uh, and and I would say is quite understandable from what I've heard uh, so thank you very much for joining us Andrew thank you uh, have a good day my music pick for this week is uh, parking lot <laughs> conveniently named, titled, and uh, yeah, pertinent to our discussion about parking today. But it is the song Parking Lot from Anderson Pack's album Malibu. Um, potentially one of my actual favorite songs on the entire album, but you should definitely listen to the whole thing. Uh, it is worth a listen. So enjoy Parking Lot.
That brings an end to our episode. Thank you again for listening to Wittenberg Radio. Remember to check out Face to Face, The Bible Tells Me So, doesn't it? Uh, a lecture February 5th that's happening at 7 p.m. at the Marpeck Commons. And if you're still uh, questioning some of the motives behind the parking changes here on campus, you can go to the open discussion, which is happening on February 1st in the conference room from 1245 to 145. 
And if you have any more comments or concerns or questions about the parking issues for us here at Wittenberg Radio, you are more than welcome to leave a comment on our variety of platforms. You can leave a comment on our website, our Facebook page, or our YouTube channel, or in the good old Protestant way, you can leave it on the Wittenberg door right beside Shirley's desk on South Campus. And with that, that's the end of our episode. My name is Kenji Dick. And I'm Claudia Duick. And we'll see you next week. Wittenberg Radio is a production of CMU Student Council. The views and opinions expressed by hosts and guests are not necessarily those of CMU Student Council.